Good afternoon, everyone. Dave here, live from the shed. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you don't already, appreciate uh, if you guys like and subscribe to the videos. I uh, try to bring you uh, great coverage of the freedom movement and bring on lots of interesting guests to uh, talk about uh, Ottawa, the convoy, and things happening beyond as well. So if you don't already, appreciate if you uh, like and subscribe. Uh, it really helps. Um, Today, I have on uh, Kyle uh, Buscelli, who was in Ottawa during the convoy, also took part in protests in Toronto uh, before the convoy. Uh, many of you will, you might not recognize the name, uh, but you'll see, you'll have seen the video where he was uh, brutally beaten with the butt of a rifle uh, when the police were breaking up the convoy at the end. And um, we'll show the video when I get talking to him there, but um, he's thrown to the ground and, and beat repeatedly. Uh, with the butt of the gun uh, and just one of the more horrific beatings that occurred. So we're going to get talking about that a little. I just want to make a quick acknowledgement of um, a post that I put up. Um, I'll let you read this over yourself, but uh, Veterans for Freedom along with Canada Marches, which is James Topps organization and uh, uh, police... Um, Police on guard have issued a statement um, regarding uh, Marcus Ray. I'll let you read that over yourself. Um, I added my voice to the concern. I stated myself and all those I work closely with stand with these organizations and having serious concerns with Marcus Ray and his rhetoric, which either directly or indirectly promotes actions beyond peaceful protesting and court challenges. I too strongly caution people against joining or supporting groups seeking anything beyond a peaceful restoration of our rights and freedoms. And um, I want to be clear that um, I am not putting a personal attack on, I don't know Marcus uh, personally. Uh, I do know the leaders of these organizations. I trust their judgment. And um, there's some really great people involved in all three of these organizations. And if their intelligence and their information uh, led them to a point of releasing a statement like this, then I take those uh, seriously, and they also align with uh, various tips and uh, information that I have received too. So um, it confirmed for me some of my concerns. And when uh, these three great organizations released this statement, I felt it important uh, to add my name to that as well. Um, again, it uh, if 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 I miss reading it and um, and you simply promoting. A peaceful protest, then uh, very much my apologies. And I already saw some people commented on that post. And I'd love to, to get some more information uh, about that. And um, I think even even if he is an individual, um, is, is in, uh, himself uh, acting peacefully and within the law, my concern is with some of the rhetoric, which might promote uh, certain people with understandably a lot of anger and uh, a lot of frustration to uh, act in a way which is inappropriate. I share the anger. I share the frustration. I know this has been a grind and it's crazy that these mandates still exist and these things are still going on uh, with our government. But I do, I plead with Canadians to continue to remain peaceful in your protests. Uh, I believe we are winning. I see important changes coming. Um, uh, different, more politicians speaking up, uh, more media uh, covering this, um, and I'm going to cover some of those articles after the interview. And um, I know that this has been 
it's going on way too long and it's very frustrating for many myself included watching people suffer watching the kids suffer that situation with cadets was was so upsetting for me but it's important um, that we do not fight fire with fire uh, we will do this peacefully and we will do this legally and uh, i encourage all people to continue to seek out organizations um, that stand together in peace and unity um, to win back our rights and freedoms um, but doing so in a a dignified manner and uh, a peaceful manner um, and uh, that is what i encourage people it's what i've always encouraged people to do and will continue to encourage people to do so if you'd like to read that press release for yourself it's available on uh, my YouTube community page, on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Uh, so I encourage you to read that over and uh, just be mindful of that as you're taking part in protests. And um, uh, yeah, just ensure that the people you're protesting with are um, planning to do so uh, peacefully. Um, enough of that. Um, so we're going to get Kyle right on here and, uh, and we're going to hear his story. And then you can stick around after if you like. And I'm going to go over uh, some, some news and information, uh, have some information there about Pat King I'm going to share, and, uh, we'll get to some of that after the interview. So let's go ahead and bring Kyle on. Good afternoon, Kyle. How's it going, Dave? Good. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, for joining us and uh, being willing to share your story with us. I, Want to start by just people who don't uh, know you and myself included don't know you too well. So just just give us a little bit of intro about yourself. Well, I, like I suppose. Uh, yeah, we've got a delay there. Well, there we go. Um, I guess I'm a lifelong uh, uh, health professional. Uh, older brother, since I was 10, 10 years old, I was for my little sister. Half my dad told me that she was going to have a hard time in school. So I suppose the last couple of years, I knew that the masks were uh, nonsense. If there was any kind of a contagion, then they would be needing hazmat suits if there was something serious. Uh, I had nothing really new going on with any virus until maybe m several months later. But uh, uh, being a health professional and a business professional project manager, seeing the protests happen in Toronto, seeing that there were loss of faith between the people and the police in Toronto at those protests, I realized that I had information that could probably sort of connect with police, talk to the protesters, and started to do that on a regular basis, sort of uh, put out small fires between some, and that's what led me here to Ottawa. Um, you know, that and knowing that I had, uh, I had something that I was useful for necessary. Um, the convoy, and then the uh, role thunder afterwards so i've been involved in most every situation where you have a lot of police and counter protesters and potential you know antifa or whoever the of the week you know? uh so i've kind of been around when there's ever been trouble just to try to put out the fires like i said 
Yeah, yeah, and you, you were telling me before there that uh, <laughs> taking part in a lot of these marches and uh, various um, events and just ensuring that, that the, the peace is kept. And I've heard you described by others as as a peacekeeper, and it's something that you really worked to do, you know, making your voice heard, but uh, ensuring that people did it in a, in a peaceful manner. And, and uh, it, it was great. There was so much of that happening in Ottawa. It was really great to see how even if someone got a little riled up at times, there was always, um, you know, people like yourself and many more who just step in, you know, nudge on the shoulder of like, you know, calm down. It's uh, it's okay. And, and just seeing people working together to um, in, in, ensure the peace. And um, there's so many pieces. It was interesting, even when I was talking to Kyle before we got on and just how these mutual friends and uh, I mean, I'm more connected with you, Kyle, than I realized of just all the different people that we worked with, but never happened to cross paths in Ottawa and just this great massive team of people that that formed. Um, I want to roll back a little bit to um, COVID and I like to hear from people like what was that experience like? You had been telling me that that you did a lot of cross border travel uh, with your work and uh, and and then how did how did COVID change your life? Well, as I mentioned, I was back to the United States because living on both sides of the border for the last ten years, on and off. And then uh, with it, it made sense for me that if contagion or sickness, that I should probably st stay in Canada because I have uh, health care. So I decided to come to Toronto, which is home for me for the last decade. And then, you know, and then two weeks to flatten the curve turned into uh, two months and then protests and all this talk, like all of these big uh stories and sort of uh deep conspiracies uh these things started it was really being the downtown of toronto and seeing that there were thousands and thousands that were coming out and spread the truth and i realized these people knew the truth and the people on the sidewalks and in their houses with their masks on and all of that, it was, uh, I've, I've fooled and evolved while knowing masks were nonsense and mostly that there was nothing to fear that no new virus, it's the same as it ever flu. And uh, yeah, so you, you, you developed your frustrations and then eventually... Did I answer the question? Yeah. Oh, it's fine. It, it, uh, I mean, and yeah, as you mentioned, so it, it, it caused you to kind of get trapped in, in Canada there. Cause, um, you had been doing cross border travel uh, for work and then ended up wanting to kind of base out a home base. And, uh, and now you're, you're, you're stuck here. Cause, uh, as people know, Canadians, um, who are unvaccinated can still not, uh, travel. And so ended up trapped here. Um, and then what what led you to get involved in the convoy? How did you hear about all that? In the convoy? Yeah. What led me to get involved in the convoy? What led me to get involved with the convoy? was uh, 
what led me to get involved with it was uh, multiple <laughs> things. I I just knew that I had the freedom movement and trying to keep people out of trouble, people from getting arrested and being, you know, a coach or like a peacemaker, like we said, years. So I felt like I've had enough skin in the game during this time that um, we had to be here in Ottawa. And, uh, and I'm glad I did because there was trouble from the police. There were immediately... you know, uh, from the police from the get-go. So I'm glad I did come some setting connection issues. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it uh, decided to really uh, freeze up there. Are you, are you on Wi-Fi or are you on your um, uh, data plan? Yeah, I'm at a, let me just, uh, Oh, yeah. We can, um, we can maybe just, we could switch to a phone call here, um, if you'd just, like. We could switch to a phone call. Um, well, I just switched to a different Okay. We'll, we'll work on that, but, um, yeah. that's what I think. Hold on. I'm going to, uh, let me call you here. That's what I think. Hold on. I'm going to, let me call you here. Yeah, the, um, appears to have a, a weak internet connection there at uh, his spot. So I think we'll just go for an audio call. Um, that's going to, uh, be nicer there for us. I uh, will just get him on the line here. subscribe oh. <laughs> sorry about this um we'll get it uh we'll get it working here for you um but yeah so he was talking about he'd been quite involved in some of the protests in toronto really trying to uh help in um with providing uh, security support so um he would often be like liaisoning a bit with uh liaison a bit with um you know helping with the marches and whenever crowds were gathered uh just ensuring that everything was uh, done correctly um um yeah darth darth trader there i see you mentioning there about uh he is not who you believe him to be i'm i am not even i assume you're referring to marcus there um i'm not even necessarily saying what i i believe him or not to be uh simply that some of the rhetoric has um come back down to me from various people of of raising um concerns of aggressive behavior and uh, it's very possible that that's not coming uh, directly uh from him um but these individuals are acknowledging him as their leader and uh and so there there's just there is some concern uh there and um yeah i'm i'm not trying to create a personal attack simply encouraging people to remain peaceful and um, and and if you're part of uh, of those groups, uh, working uh, with Marcus, and then just ensuring that that, that uh, the plans are are peaceful, and that um, that uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd happily um, want to be wrong 
on that. And uh, but after Veterans for Freedom and uh, Police on Guard and uh, other and Canada Marches, who are all groups that I work with and respect, after they expressed concerns, then I'd have it. I'd had enough nudges and um, suggestions, and then confirmation from that organization that they had concerns as well that I felt it valuable put out there, and then at least people can weigh that um, when they're making these decisions. So not looking to cause division at all, simply encouraging peace um, with everyone. Um, you there, Kyle? Uh, can can you just call me? I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to call you there. <laughs> yeah, that's this isn't gonna work for him. Uh, let's try to. Can you can you call me if you're hearing me? Just give me a phone call. Um. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank. Oh, sorry. Um, Darth was referring to uh, referring to uh, Marcus. Uh, referring to the guest, not to Marcus. Um. Well, I don't know how this phone is uh, not picking up, but um, the um. Darth, he says, um, well, <laughs> sorry, guys, this is one of the more uh, awkward connection issues we've had. Are you there now? <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three. Hey, are you there now? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm just going to turn off the uh, the video because um, that doesn't seem to be uh, okay. working okay. for us. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. It, um, uh, yeah, I guess they their their internet speed there must not be ideal. We we got you now. Yes. Okay, so um, yeah, tell us how you ended up in in Ottawa. Then, like, how did you hear about the convoy and what happened there? Well, being someone, I guess, who gets the information from people saying, hey, are you going to this uh, vaccination clinic or, hey, are you going to this protest? I usually find out about it from somebody because they're thinking, oh, well, maybe Kyle should come because there'll be police there or something. So I usually show up and uh, same as with the convoy. At first, I was probably like you and many other people. I was observing it, uh, watching all the, the videos and the news, and I was doing some live streams and I was really diving into it digitally but then uh someone sent me a message saying hey just to let you know that uh john is uh going with a few people to ottawa this weekend if if you want to go and uh so i figured that uh you know i knew it was going to be some kind of a gong show and there would be police and a lot of people i knew a lot of a lot of freedom people were, go were going already um but I thought, you know, Toronto's my city. I'm not going to go to Ottawa. You know, they don't need me to do what I do here, there. But then uh, something just told me I should just uh, come and check it out. And I did. I came out with uh, four people. Uh, the very first, we got out here late uh, Friday. So I came out on the, uh, the, the 5th. 
or the fourth, I guess, came out that night to the convoy, and uh, they they went back the next day. But I I knew I was hooked that I had to stay. That it was just uh, epic to, to to see. I couldn't go anywhere, and then obviously I could see all the police and uh, all the different agencies that I saw. It was fascinating to me from a you know from that perspective because I had usually been in Toronto and seen Toronto police. I hadn't been in a situation where we're you now now seeing RCMP and all these other police forces from all over the country. So I was just uh, fascinated by it, by, you know, it's, I believe everything that everyone else believes in, but also from uh, looking at it from a, like, you know, from like yourself as a, uh, who an observer that's looking at the whole thing. Uh, I was uh, just fascinating that it was all happening. So I certainly couldn't go anywhere. Hmm. Yeah, it was quite the uh, interesting thing. I mean, I had a very similar experience of, of feeling the need to stay. There was uh, it was an incredible thing to be a part of, and uh, just so much like positive energy and uh, so many people. And it was just uh, fascinating to watch it all uh, go down. And so, were you there for the entire time? Then I would say uh, I was there. All, I got there on the, uh, the fourth or the fifth. So I, I suppose I was there for the weekend where. Everything was all set up and running. I wasn't. I didn't come for the first weekend, but uh, that was, I guess, apparently the, the very big weekend where everybody came. So that's when I came. Was this was uh, so I probably missed what five, four days or something, five days. And what what was it like from your like? Where were you? Were you camped out somewhere or in a hotel or where were you staying? <laughs> we had there was no plan coming in. Like really, like there was hotel rooms and you know all kinds of things. So I, I guess. Uh, I, we ended up uh, staying in a hotel room with some uh, guys from Toronto. So it was just a bunch of people sort of just figuring it out, Airbnbs and hotel rooms and sleeping in cars and RVs and all kinds of stuff. So there was no like real sol- solution. It was just like, just get there and figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, everyone was making it up as, as they go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, pretty awesome. And then... Um, so tell us about this. So, I mean, the, the day that everything went down uh, for you, I mean, it, well, before that, what, what was kind of, what did your daily day look like? What was an everyday in the life of Kyle walking around Ottawa? What did you all get? Everyone kind of found their piece to get involved in. So what did that look like for you? For me, I, I initially, when I came in, I came down Metcalf and walked straight up into the middle of the heart of the whole thing, right in front of Parliament. Uh, it was just where the guys parked and we just walked straight up the street down Metcalf and then boom, you're right into the, the, the stage, the shed was there, the, the parliament building. So I walked in and I immediately attached myself to that area as like sort of the zone that I could k- kind of keep my eye on and where all the action was. And the people would come and where the Antifa and the people with the masks that would come to agitate us. I knew that would be where the, you know, the heat scores would, would be, so I figured we'd, between some nights we would just stay, there was a, a heating tent, we would stay up all night, a few of us, and keep an eye on the place till morning, and then go sleep in the hotel room or a car or something, so it was uh, usually, you know, sort of enjoying the days, uh, but definitely there were some nights where we stayed up and just did, did, did 24-hour shifts just because we, we heard that the police were coming or that there was some theft going on, and <laughs> I personally well, experienced some depth, so that's when I ended up doing a couple of 24-hour nighters just to sort of, uh, you know, keep an eye on things. Yeah, well, there, there were definitely some very interesting nights where um, <laughs> end days and you never knew what was going to come up when. And uh, yeah, pe- they, they, the, threat, the threats of police coming in, those were coming pretty early on. And uh, 
but yeah. but then eventually you just kind of keep going because every day is another threat and you just keep going so um but uh and then so this this day when it, everything happened um was it the friday or the saturday for you friday it was the friday all right and so you're up by the hotel there yeah, by the hotel, I would say that uh, I had to be either the first, second, or third person that was uh, grabbed. So there was, you know, there was that that line that had been formed between the police and the people, and I was up there as usual. I, I you know, I partly thinking that I, I I could have no effect and that this was going to go down. However, it it was going to in my head, but the other part of me standing there and talking to our people. And saying, just don't touch the police officers, or I would just talk to them and keep them relaxed and keep their make sure they kept their space so they couldn't give them an excuse. And I would tell the officer, and I would talk to the officers, try to make jokes. And I was doing this at a couple of different spots along the line. And I would say a couple of other people were doing similar type of peacemaking type of things, talking to both parties, keeping things like sort of relaxed as much as possible. But um, then. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden, uh, I was gone. I, I felt I was knocked from behind and then, uh, on the ground all of a sudden and was in the middle of a tug of war. My body was in a tug of war between two sides. And I, I knew that on my left side were the good guys were our people. And I was trying to push while I was on face, on my face down on my, on my, you know, with my hands and like, I was trying to push towards them, but when the other side grabbed me around the neck and I re I felt like it was, it was going to break. I, I went limp and was dragged through a bunch of uh, legs of some of the, the green goon squad and was pulled behind uh, with, by the emergency response team guys, which had those light uniforms, the helmets, and they had the, uh, the, the carbine rifles sort of on their chest that were visible. They had those rifles, uh, yeah. really what set them apart right <laughs> yeah they're the guys who uh, came into the shed and got me in their fancy outfits and big guns yeah and then do you but, do uh, you remember getting hit or what was that like from your angle i remember being pulled in pull, pulled into the group and then i was trying to stand up and then bam i remember feeling like the first hit and uh I think it was a hit in the in the in the face that that got me, and I, I didn't know what it was, you know, what was going on. I, I had no idea what I was being hit with. I just thought it was boots, and and then there were the knees to the to the ribs, which many many people after that were sort of grabbing at their ribs in the exact same spot high up uh, underneath the the uh, the armpit where the ribs were cracked or broken, but they. Uh, I yeah they I I I started just to get up and then the, that's when the the beating occurred. It was afterwards that people told me that uh, that they used that was a rifle that I was feeling, and then I saw the video and uh, realized that oh wow that's that's why I had those marks on the <laughs> side of my face. I, I say those photos, um, which show the two cuts. So that the cuts were made by by the end of a rifle that luckily wasn't very heavy and had a rubber end, I guess. So it, it was like getting like when your knees skinned on the gym floor, you know, that kind of, it was more like a, a contact burn from the, from the butt hitting my head like that. And mm -hmm. it was more swollen than it was in those pictures. I didn't really take a lot of pictures. It didn't occur to me to take any pictures. So that was, that were that was certainly five or six days afterwards. Uh, the, 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 the marks on my head, but it was swollen and yellow and, well, and I, have, 
I'd heard from many people, like you mentioned there, that you don't uh, barely remember how it went down. I mean, it was the same for Shaba and others that I talked to who got beat up that uh, they, yeah, it was all kind of a blur and everything hurt. And then seeing the videos afterwards and it's like, oh, well, that that makes sense why that hurt. So I'm going to I'll show people the video right now then actually. So in case they haven't seen it, um, so you're not going to hear anything here, uh, Kyle, but I'm just going to play this video it starts with the horses running over uh the people and then uh you'll see you getting beaten behind the ground so we'll just play the video here for folks So yeah, you'll see, I'll just show it again here. Um, So just behind the crew of people, you'll see the officer going up and down with the butt of the gun. And uh, and that's Kyle on the ground getting hit. Yeah, I've seen several videos where there are not too many of them. I haven't seen too many. Well, you were behind, you were behind the police line. So um, I'm just going to show the clip there one more time. Yeah, it's. It's pretty ridiculous. Oh One, two. Yeah, he swats you two or three times there, and uh, no doubt the uh, the mainstream media have nicer angles of it because they had cameras up on the hotels and such. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, even on that angle, and I'd seen one other, but hey, I think that's about the best angle that we get coming in there. Um, yeah, how uh, again? Someone's asking how how did you end up uh, pulled behind the line there? They just grabbed you out of the crowd and dragged you back there. Yeah, they knocked me, uh, pulled me through the the, the green jumpsuit guys, and uh, in behind uh, did their thing. You know, like stomped, used the used the boots, the rifle to get you to submit to put your hands behind your back, and then they put those zip ties on, which I I have a, I have I have them as a souvenir still. Uh, zip tied and then they really grabbed picked up everybody off the ground like a piece of garbage and handed them over to a waiting line of police officers that were from all over the country that would take us off the the battlefield as it were and off off in front of the west and off across the street and then uh, process everybody for arrest and departure and whatever they had planned i suppose and then did you get uh, you get loaded in a van and dropped out of the city, or, or where did you end up? Um, I was uh, fortunate that um, I uh, and some other people were released uh, in the city uh, just uh, because we. I, I felt I, I I said right away that if this is how I'm going to be treated by you guys and everybody after all I've done, I said then I'm I should just go back to Toronto and. I just basically was convinced I was going to go back to Toronto. And I think uh, he let a few people go like a short while later and just said, okay, just uh, don't come back or you'd be arrested. So I think they just really wanted to spank a lot of people brutally, really uh, convince a lot of people to never come back. Yeah. Yeah. Scare everyone out of the city. Um, The, and then you weren't charged, correct? No, I wasn't charged. They, uh, they arrested yeah, I read the rights and they uh, said you're going to be charged with it. But, you know, I've, uh, as we know before, they, it was just uh, 
it was just uh, an empty threat. They just uh, let a ton of people go without without charges because these people had injuries, like myself, you know, bleeding face and everything. <laughs> it's uh, I, I I laughed, but it's just the, the craziness of getting arrested, um, you know, getting beating like that, and and no even charges. So it's like if. No, no one deserves a beating like that. But you'd think if the police are going to beat someone like that, then uh, oh, that you must have at least done something wrong that you know deserved a charge. But uh, no, just just a beating and uh, sent on your way. That's all you got, eh? Yeah, basically. Um, I, I probably will. I probably will have to jump off the uh, the call though, Dave. Unfortunately. No, no worries. You got uh, got somewhere to go there. I have uh, the device. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. There's something going on here. I have to get off the call. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. Thanks for uh, sharing your story with us there. And uh, I would say, in, I would say, in finishing, what I would have to say is that you know sometimes uh, the, the good guy doesn't always win. I thought I was being a good guy, supporting the police, the RCMP, trying to establish like uh, a communication as many times as possible. And I think it really is you know, the right philosophy to be peaceful and to promote the conversation between all these people. But I guess I learned I was naive. I didn't realize that there would be a strategy in place that meant that whatever I was doing didn't matter. They were just looking to arrest people, get a hundred arrests and it didn't, and it meant it was going to be unlawful. So I, uh, I was, I was proud to take, to take uh, that beating for, for somebody else who may not have uh, been able to bounce back physically as, as much as it was. And I feel like it was the cross I had to bear and part of the reason that I was here. So, um, thanks for having what me the... on Dave and, uh, letting me say, I, I can certainly, we can talk more. Yeah. Later, no worries. But, uh, Do you have a, I was just wondering about the... what legal challenges you're doing briefly. Um, are you pursuing this legally? Yeah, I'm currently talking to a lawyer, and there's a lot of things going on. So we'll keep you updated as to what's going on for sure. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Kyle, and uh, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dave. Next time, uh, yeah, next time we talk, I'll try to make sure I have a better uh, setup for sure. Okay, no worries. Right. Yeah, take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks, my friend. Great. So yeah, that was um, Kyle Bossley there. Um, yeah, again, just uh, uh, this clip is um i mean we saw this flying all around uh, the internet and um yeah really just disturbing um stuff here what whatever someone has done um to to have to deal with this kind of uh beating is just horrendous just getting hit multiple times there with the butt of the rifle um yeah, I saw uh, I saw in the comments there um, a bunch of uh, uh, questions about Kyle and such, and uh, yeah, I'll happily uh, l- look into that. Um, the focus uh, I wanted to him to be able to share uh, his story because uh, so many people saw uh, that beating and uh, and and hear from his side of things like uh, what went down and and how that happened. So um, yeah, I saw some uh, questions there from uh, some people in. Uh, Toronto and uh, happily look into that uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, just wanted to be able to share um, Kyle's story there. And I mean, all of these things, nobody deserves to be treated that way. No one deserves to be beaten by 
police, like, I don't care who you are and what you've done. If, if you need to, um, like, uh, to be abused by police in that way, that level of brutality is just, um, uh, obnoxious. And, uh, it's very difficult to see someone treated like that. Um, on, on that note, uh, similarly, how Pat King is being treated is just uh, obnoxious at this point that we're looking at coming up on like three months that he's been in prison. Uh, I want to share with you a letter that um, I received. And so, as I told you before, um, a friend of mine has been uh, trying to visit Pat King. And uh, I'm just going to read you this letter from them who've been uh, able to uh, visit uh, with Pat and check in on him. Uh, after several visits with Mr. King, it is very obvious that his mental state is on a steady decline as the days go on. There have been a few phone calls, but access to phone is often difficult. The approval process is to become a visitor is painfully slow, especially as with this time is of the essence. He is allowed only two 20-minute visitors per week and has been denied any kind of professional visits, such as pastoral visit due to COVID restrictions, yeah, in quotes, it's always due to COVID restrictions. And actually, this person told me that twice this week now, they have tried to visit him uh, twice in the same week. They on It was on um, Monday they tried to visit, and then it got uh, rescheduled because of droplets. So supposedly there was someone on Pat's floor that had, um, had a cold. So it was canceled and then rescheduled to Thursday. They showed up again. For a visit and were turned away again due to droplets and this person really rearranged their whole day to be there to wait for it to, to be in time for the visit and um drive to the prison and twice now in a week being turned away due to um droplets supposedly and uh, really just making it very difficult for um uh, anyone to to visit this man or care for him in any way the treatment of Mr. King has been arbitrary depending on who the guard is on duty at the time. If the guard doesn't like him, he's treated poorly. Some have been kind. I keep asking how this is just. He is on mischief charges and has been kept in isolation and maximum security. His mental, physical, and emotional states are steadily declining as a result. Imagine your life, your mortgage, life insurance, car payments, heat, hydro, credit cards, all set up to be paid automatically, but your bank accounts are frozen and you're in jail. Do the math. I'm told his bank accounts are indeed still frozen, and uh, it means that the bills are adding up and uh, all sorts of things, uh, potential for losing his house and his uh, life insurance and various other things. Uh, not only is Pat in jail, but his life is deeply affected by this, not being able to make payments or to keep finances in good order. Is this okay? Again, on mischief. We are dismantling people's lives for this. We have He's missed milestones in his kid's life. Is he deserving of this? He continually called for peace. He was a road captain guilty of telling people to honk their horns and hold the line. Are you able to look past what you think of him based on what you've heard? Or do you look at the person, the human suffering, being made the martyr of the convoy? And that's very much what's going on here. The The media has just grabbed hold of him and uh, the government's played gone, gone with it as well of just making him the fall man and, and putting, it seems, all of Justin's hate upon this one man. Uh, do you know what they do to everyone in prison? They pump them full of pharmaceuticals, mostly to dull them, to keep them calm. They medicate, they medicate everyone. This is how they bring a measure of control. Don't even get me started on his prosthetic leg, which has been treated twice for infection. The hygiene is less than acceptable. I could go on and on. Just put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Is this just? Is this fair? Is it deserved? Is it ethical? Is it legal or moral? 
And again, so that's from a friend of mine who was able to go visit Pat uh, several times, but it took two months to arrange the visits. And uh, this person simply wants to go to care for him, to give him um, mental health support. And uh, they took two months in order to be able to do visits. And now repeatedly, when they try to do visits, they keep getting turned away for COVID protocols. Uh, It's just absolutely disgusting at this point. Absolutely no excuse for him to still be in prison. Um, Whatever he has said or hasn't said, whatever people's personal feelings about him is so irrelevant to the issue of uh, justice. Um, And and same there, I would say to an individual like uh, Kyle, there there seems to be some people in the chat who... um, who have some issues with him as a person. And again, uh, my, uh, everyone deserves uh, justice and um, whatever anyone thinks of someone personally, uh, no one deserves to be treated in the way that so many people within this movement are being treated uh, to be beaten, to be run over by horses, to be locked up in prison for three months. People are not deserving of this. And um, I continually have been uh, uh, pushing the angles I can and and trying to get this out to some other uh, media and um, Pat's girlfriend reached out to me and uh, said they are hopeful that he'll be able to get bail next week, but they've heard that before. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a political prisoner at this point. This is dragged out far too long and uh, absolutely uh, disgraceful at this point. My only assumption could be that the, the police are, very intentionally trying to beat him down mentally. They don't want him to be a voice in this at all. They don't want him to be a part of this at all. Uh, there's a fear, presumably from their side, that that he would speak up and um, and and fuel protesting. And uh, they want to silence him. They uh, no no doubt want to kick him out of the province as they did for Tamara. And uh, they're going to keep um, a pushing him down until they get him to uh, sign on the dotted line, no doubt with all the conditions that they want him to abide by. And that is torture. That's not justice. Uh, There's protections that are in place for these people that are clearly being ignored and everyone has a right to, uh, to justice. And uh, this is not justice by any, I can't imagine we can find a precedent for someone who's been in jail for three months on the, uh, the charge of mischief um, does not, I'd be surprised if that exists somewhere. Um, so the a few other things I wanted to uh, cover today, because um, I knew it would be a, a short interview, and I want to cover some uh, news stories uh, for you guys. So I got a chance to watch this last night, and I highly recommend uh, giving it uh, a watch. Um, so Pierre Poliver um, did a one-and-a-half-hour interview with uh, Jordan B. Peterson. And uh, again, whatever someone thinks of of Pierre uh, personally, I mean, a great way to get a sense for what someone is is really like is uh, watching an hour and a half of them talk to Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, He is uh, Canada's greatest intellect as far as I'm concerned, and uh, a great interviewer and a brilliant mind. And um, actually, Jordan B. Peterson reached out to the other leadership candidates as well, asking that if they would like to take part in an interview like this. And I saw that at least one, uh, Leslie Lewis responded that she would do it. And uh, so we might be seeing a series of these from the conservative leadership candidates. And uh, I really like these long form uh, interviews because it's um, in a space of an hour and a half, 
it's it's going to be difficult to um, just stick to your talking points. You know, if you only have a 10 minute interview, you can have your little speech prepared and such. But for an hour and a half going back and forth with Peterson, who's happy to dig, um, you're going to have a hard time just sticking to your talking points. So it gives you a better sense of what this individual is like. And so I encourage you guys to watch this whole video. I'm going to show a clip from it and uh, and then watch the other ones as he uh, releases them with other candidates that he um, will be interviewing. And I, I think it's a much better way than than articles or little sound bites to get a sense of where the individual is at. So Pierre Polivera specifically addresses the uh, the trucker convoy here, which I thought viewers would find interesting. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think I think maybe that was part of the backlash against the truckers, you know, because these real people came out and said, "We got a problem here with you guys. You're you're pushing us down a little too hard, and maybe you could stop doing it. You're fundamentally violating our civil liberties." And we might point out that this is in a country that still does not allow its citizens to travel. Yes, that's right. And you, you know, the, what what I think that the real backlash by the elites against the truckers was a uh, this idea that truckers have no business going to Ottawa and raising their voices. That's that's the idea that that the elites were trying to push back against. They want they they think that the working classes should just shut up and pay up and let the let the um, the experts just run, run things for us and 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 provide and, and the, the population should provide total deference to these institutional elites. Uh, to just run our lives for us and uh, do what we're told. Now, you stood up for the truckers. So now you've had some time. It's been a couple of months. You've had some time to consider your position. And so can you tell me what you think happened with the trucker protest? And and then I'd like to segue into the imposition of the Emergencies Act, which, um, you know, is grist for the mill, let's say, in terms of discussion. So tell me, tell me your response to the truckers protest and convoy and where you stood and where you stand. So I, as I said before, the truckers even arrived on Parliament Hill when media asked me about it. I support those peaceful law-abiding truckers who came to Ottawa to peacefully protest for their livelihoods and liberties. And I simultaneously condemn any individuals who broke laws, behaved badly, or blockaded critical infrastructure. I think it's possible to hold individually accountable uh, bad actors without uh, painting every single person with the same brush. If you went to any protest that had nine or 10,000 people, you will find bad actors. But that doesn't mean that all nine or 10,000 are, uh, are themselves bad actors. Um, you know, for example, I was uh, confronted by a journalist the other day who said, yes, but what about those journalists who, sorry, what about those um, those truckers that were angry at journalists and behaved badly or uh, conducted themselves poorly? Uh, what do you say to them? Well, I said, well, they, they should be individually held to account for their behavior. But you, he said, well, don't you take some responsibility for supporting the cause? And I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you hold every single environmentalist personally responsible for the acts wielding terrorists who went to the coastal gas link pipeline construction site and started trying to kill pipeline workers. Does every single person who's spoken out against pipelines take personal responsibility for what those axe wielding terrorists did? 
or are the are the are the axe wielders themselves personally responsible? I mean, even I would say no. You can criticize a pipeline. I disagree with you. You can criticize a pipeline without taking personal responsibility for the violence of some eco terrorist you've never even met. Um, and so, I walked around. I saw the tr the truckers on Parliament Hill. By the way, those who most people weren't actually there. The media depiction was total nonsense. If you watched it on television, you would think that it was Armageddon. Um, Jordan, every single member of parliament that, that condemned the truckers in the House of Commons during the protest had to walk right through the Tucker trucker convoy, right? Because they, they were parked right up front. There was no way to get in without walking through them. And not one of them were prevented from, from walking through. Um, it was peaceful. It was most of the time sort of a jubilant type celebration. Um, and people came and went, they walked around on Parliament Hill, members of Parliament of all political stripes walked through the protest every day without incident. Um, and yes, there was a, some, some businesses were inconvenienced and lost money, they should be compensated. But by and large, it was a peaceful protest by people who generally don't get involved in political activism. They're truckers, they drive truck all day. Yeah, they have things to do, man. They have things. And you know, the thing is, I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. But um, I encourage you guys. Yeah. If you're looking at uh, voting in the leadership campaign to um, watch that video and watch others. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not putting that out there as a specific endorsement of Pierre Paul Hiver, But I think watching someone speak to Jordan Peterson for an hour and a half is a great way to get a sense of where they're really at. He actually goes through his whole story of um, growing up and how he got involved in politics. And I see a, a lot of uh, hate in the comments there uh, for him. Uh, I, I haven't decided yet who I'm going to be supporting, but uh, I am I'm really not clear on where all that hate is coming from, to be perfectly honest. And don't hate me for that. I mean, feel free to forward a proof to me of I, I hear many accusations of that that he's a plant and he's groomed by the the liberals or that is part of WF and I I personally I, I haven't seen evidence uh, of that um, and so I'm I'm not exactly clear where that uh, talk is is coming from and uh, yeah someone says they're trolls yeah I I wonder sometimes if if we're talking about controlled opposition. Uh, you know, and people throw that term out there a lot. I wonder if uh, people out there just trying to stir up rumors amongst freedom loving people uh, against uh, some of the uh, people that they, they fear. So uh, that's my thoughts on that. And, and if there's evidence of, of why he's not a trustworthy candidate, then I'd be happy to um, to hear that. I mean, uh, I I the nice thing about the leadership ballot is there's a rank order. So if people want to become members of the conservative party, you can actually rank order them and uh, have your your voice. Um, I mean, I'm I'm happy enough to say right now that uh, I mean my top three as it stands right now would be some combination of uh, Pierre uh, Roman and uh, Leslie Lewis, which uh, I don't think surprises anybody. Um, those would be the three I would consider uh, freedom loving people taking a look at. Um, I, um, I've enjoyed stuff that I've seen coming out of all three of those candidates and how the ranked ballot works is you can rank them. And then if, uh, so even if your number one is someone who might not get a ton of like wider support, if they drop off in the first ballot, then it moves to your number two. And so it allows you 
to um, have a say, uh, even if your uh, candidate doesn't win in the first round or gets knocked off. And it also sends a strong message to uh, the government because to the future government, because what many people say is, oh, if I vote for someone who who doesn't win, does it is it just meaningless? And no, not at all, because the leader who does end up winning will see the support that was gained and how many members supported uh, different people. So, you know, if you want to support someone um, like a, a, a Roman who's new to this, then uh, it sends a message to those within the party that there's strong support for what he's saying. Uh, same with uh, Leslin and uh, and others that um, you can support uh, them and still have your voice heard uh, within that party. I, I genuinely uh, believe that reformation of the Conservative Party is possible. And uh, I think uh, that there's some who want to just kind of burn it all down and there's no hope for that. I, I think that uh, with the removal of Aaron O'Toole and what the trucker convoy did and this movement towards freedom, there's a, a real um, shift that's happening in the Conservative Party. We're going to start to see real opposition uh, coming from them. And so personally, some combination for me of, um, of Leslin, Roman and Pierre will be, uh, will be probably what I'll be looking at. Um, but we can get, I'll keep covering that as, as it goes. And there's a long way to go in that race. But uh, those are three I would um, recommend at this point to be looking into for, um, for the leadership candidacy, for those who really value uh, freedom and uh, traditional conservatism. Um, it's an oligarchy. Voting is just an illusion, uh, says Owen. Uh, I, I respectfully disagree. Um, <laughs> voting is, uh, is very important. And uh, it, that's how we ultimately change the direction of this country. We need more people to be involved in politics and more good candidates out there. Uh, part of the problem is good people haven't been standing up. Good men and women have not stepped up. And, uh, you know, not just in politics, but in our institutions. And, you know, many people complain about what's happening in education. Well, we need more good people to get into those positions and to work on the inside. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but we are seeing a transformation. I think a shift uh, to conservatism uh, across um, the the world through movements like this. And uh, I mean, just look at a guy like Peterson. Who, he just crossed 5 million subscribers on, on YouTube for that's an incredible accomplishment for a fairly conservative minded psychologist who's um, talking about a lot of these things. I think a lot of people are waking up. I think older people would be really surprised to to know how many like young people I meet that follow a guy like Jordan Peterson and listen to multi-hour lectures from him. And uh, I I personally, I have, I have hope for the future. I hope for this country. Um, I'm not into the burn it all down uh, doom and gloom that uh, I believe that change is happening and will continue to happen. And we can be a part of that if we continue to stand up like we did together in Ottawa. Um, and uh, it's interesting, this interview with Pierre Polyver, the only... <laughs> press an hour and a half hour and a half podcast he does with jordan b peterson and here's what the mainstream media jumped on him for uh pierre faces backlash for comments on jordan peterson podcast some are calling attention to a comment conservative leader pierre polyver made uh he said i'm a believer in using simple anglo-saxon words that strike right at the meaning that i'm trying to convey polyer said in the interview and so i say things that people say uh, yeah, that does make sense. And so if you watch the whole interview, 
He's simply saying that he tries to communicate in um, in in simple uh, language, in more you know traditional, just English language, nothing too complex. He uses the term um, Anglo-Saxon uh, words, just meaning it's another it's a phraseology for Old English, essentially just um, basic English. And then here's how the angle that the mainstream media took it. Some have pointed out that the term being used by those on the far right to differentiate uh, white people from immigrants and people of color. It's a way to set apart those who are white in Canada, who are Anglo-Saxon from everyone else, and certainly from the rationalized segment of society, said Farid Khan, the founder of Canadians United Against Hate. Um, And they go on just using these other examples of how white supremacists use the term Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Saxon political traditions. Uh, And then Pat King gets a shout out here. And an organizer of the Ottawa truck protest, Pat King also used the term to warn of a plot to replace white people, a common white supremacist falsehood often used to justify hostility or violence against immigrants. He said, there's an end game. It's called depopulation of the Caucasian or the Anglo-Saxon, King said in a live stream. (laughs) And... I mean, come on, CTV. This this is a stretch. So an hour and a half podcast with Jordan B. Peterson talking of all sorts of things. And because he says, uh, I'm a believer in using simple Anglo-Saxon words. Therefore, therefore, he is um, he is a white supremacist and he's a hater. And uh, like, like, come on, that's um. Yeah, it, it's not totally surprising from the CTV. They they do this stuff a lot, but if that and and you it's more than just CBC CTV. You'll see that popping up in news agencies all over, and you know a few angry people on Twitter that uh, that apparently he's a white supremacist because he used the term Anglo-Saxon. Um, and what I would say is what's impressive about him is if you go for an hour and a half public broadcast conversation style, and the worst they could grab from it as a soundbite was that you said you like to use simple anglo-saxon words uh then uh wow you, you've done pretty good it reminds me of back in ottawa when every night i'd go turn on the news to see what lies they were telling about us that night and the one night they got on and the whole the story was was an older woman who was upset about the trucks and she gets on and she says well i'm just fed up about this so i went out on my chair and I gave a thumbs down every time that they honked. So they honked and I gave a thumbs down. And and no kidding not, that was on national television, on the CTV. That was their report from the day. And uh, the best story they could come out with out of that whole thing was one angry lady who came out and gave thumbs downs when the truckers honked. And I had a good laugh about that. I said, well, we had a good day then, I guess, if, um, if the best story that they got was uh, an elderly lady who gave a thumbs down when she was upset. And I said, hey, we, we've done good. I mean, it could be worse than that. It's just a thumbs down. She's she's not throwing eggs or anything. So we we, we had a win today. Um, and yeah, so to attack Pierre Bolivar for saying simple Anglo-Saxon words um, is clearly a stretch. And, and I think more and more Canadians are waking up to that, right? It's, uh, you know, what's that term of like, we know they're lying. They know they're lying. We know that they know that they're lying uh, and they still lie. Like that that's what's going on here. I I can't see anyone but some extreme like if you're so into this mindset that um that everything conservative is evil and uh everything freedom related is evil, then maybe you'd believe that. I mean, because they're just preaching to the choir, but I can't imagine anyone who's even like more centrist can look at that article and say, Oh yeah, 
Anglo-Saxon words. He's clearly a white supremacist. Like, anyway, ridiculousness. Um, I don't know how a news agency publishes an article like that and uh, and sleeps at night, but they're struggling. They're struggling. The these these legacy media outlets are dying. I mean, very clearly, the the future of all of this stuff is is content like that. Like that's what I want to see. I don't want to see a five minute speech. I don't want to see your little soundbite. I would like to see him be properly interviewed for an hour and a half and and get the whole story. So, um, and uh, hopefully we get to see those from Peterson with the other candidates as well. Um, Strawville um, Cabin, thank you so much for the super chat. Uh, says, we have been following Pierre for over a year. I believe he is the best choice. Uh, we received the shed stickers. Thanks. Oh, great. Glad, glad you got those. Uh, and thank you for the super chat. And, um, yeah, so always happy for the political discourse in, in the chat there. I'm glad you guys do that. Just uh, keep it respectful. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to make, um, these accusations about various politicians, uh, it's always good to try to, um, support it with, with facts. And, and that's when it comes to Pierre specifically, I've seen a lot of accusations, haven't seen a lot of uh, data backing that up. Uh, I think some people might be thrown off by he is very well spoken i i find that impressive he's very good at his his back and forth his rhetoric uh, like how how he how he can uh, answer he's obviously very smart very quick-witted um and some people maybe can take that as disingenuine um i i don't know i don't see that as necessarily disingenuine i just seems to me to be a sign of being very smart and uh, and good at what he does now Always the question is, well, can can we trust him to actually do what he says? I've been more or less happy with the things I've been seeing him saying. Um, but, of course, we've seen it before where people said things and didn't follow through. So uh, character is a big question. But I, I would just say that that doing an hour and a half like that is is quite impressive that he was willing to, to do that. And if he was really hiding so many other things, um, that's not the best way to, to keep them hidden by doing a long-form broadcast like that. So... Um, yeah. And again, I, I mean, and I'm, I think very highly of Leslie Lewis is another person I'd encourage people to check out. Um, she's someone to follow as well. And, uh, and then, uh, Roman Babber, of course, many people will know him. And so those are, would be my three recommendations that of, um, people to, to look into. And, uh, if I see some more coverage from Peterson, I will definitely be sharing out the video that, um, that Leslin does with him too. So you can get uh, some, a taste of that, but encourage you guys to watch those. Uh, other thing I wanted to bring to your attention, you probably would have seen that um, uh, they are, <laughs> this is just ridiculous. The, again, the crown is claiming that uh, Tamara Leach is uh, breaking her bail. So crown wants freedom convoy organizer Tamara Leach returned to jail to await trial. Crown prosecutors went uh, one Ottawa protester organizer, Tamara Leach, sent back to jail to await trial, claiming she breached her bail conditions by agreeing to participate in an event next month where she will receive a Freedom Award. So, to be clear, she is breaching her bail conditions because she agreed to receive an award. Uh, the Crown claims she violated the court-imposed condition that she will not express support for anything related to the Freedom Convoy movement she led in Ottawa earlier this year and apparently then accepting an award is, uh, is being labeled as a breach of conditions. 
And uh, again, it. I sure hope the average person can see that and say, come on, like, like one, she didn't do anything violent in the first place. And like, and two, it's, that's a stretch again. I mean, they're awarding her for something that was done in the past. I would sure hope that the, 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 the letter, the purpose of that bail condition was they didn't want her out there leading a march again which is dumb in itself because why shouldn't she be allowed to lead a peaceful protest when that's all she did before. But anyway, um, fine. She's not out there like uh, giving a speech or leading a march. She's simply accepting an award for something that was done prior and they want to uh, send her back to um, jail. Like if I come on and say that Tamara Leach was an inspiration to me, does, uh, does that mean she should go back to jail because uh, <laughs> she inspired someone after the convoy? Um, yeah, it's, uh, absolutely nuts. I, I sure as heck hope that that doesn't go through because that is, um, that is absolutely obnoxious to, to threaten to send her back to jail because she's getting an award. You know, what that is, is, uh, is Trudeau and his gang are, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a slap in the face to them because here they're trying to make her the fall person, her, you know, her and Pat are supposed to be held up as, these examples and instead they're getting awards and people are sharing and celebrating the fact that he's, uh, she's getting an award. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's personal, it's very personal. And so, uh, the crown has definitely been instructed. I think it's very obvious they've been instructed to, uh, uh, push, uh, hard on her and they're going to, uh, they're going to continue to do that. No doubt. Um, Another story that came out a while ago and just wanted to make sure you're all aware and uh, point out that um, uh, here's from Rebel News. Police did not ask for emergencies act to be used against the Freedom Convoy. Uh, We did not make a direct request for the emergencies act, claimed Ottawa Police Interim Chief Steve Bell. Uh, I also love that he's always interim chief. Um, It's like his days are numbered or something. But uh, one of the excuses used for the emergency act was that uh, the police needed it to clear us out, you know, that they were they were asking for help. Uh, and now a RCMP had already come out and said that they did not ask for the emergency act. And now the auto police service uh, came out a few days ago and said that they also did not request the emergency act. Uh, the border blockades were all cleared without the emergency act. And um, uh, Bell's admission came during questioning by MP uh, Andrew Shear. So there was a, a question period with Andrew Shear, and uh, and he says, "Well, I guess we can just watch it." Do I have the audio on there? Yeah. One final question: Did the Ottawa Police make a request to the federal government to invoke the Emergencies Measures Act? Yes or no? So we were involved in conversations with our partners and with the political um, the political ministries. Uh, we didn't make a direct request uh, for the Emergencies Act. Thank you for that. Yeah. So um, police chief comes right out and says that they did not ask for the Emergencies Act. So, well, it begs the question, well, who did ask for it? The police didn't ask for it. Uh, Certainly the people didn't ask for it. Uh, So it it is so clear that Justin Trudeau used the most powerful piece of legislature in this country to bring the hammer down on some people he didn't like because they were protesting him. And if there's something, if there's something that's more 
um, just diabolical and uh, whatever the terms you want to use than that, uh, I'm not aware of it, that the leader of a, of a free nation would use the most powerful piece of legislature at his disposable simply because he was uh, mad that they were making fun of him or like it's it's like a super powerful bully is that that's what it, it feels like feels like that oh oh why you know why did you punch jimmy it's like because oh, i don't like him well that's not a reason you, need, you can't punch jimmy just because you don't like him like that that's what we have going on here is they have a big bully who brought the hammer down and millions of dollars and uh and and all these people beaten and hurt uh, all because uh, our prime minister um, got his feelings hurt uh, and isn't willing to take responsibility for the things that he's done and come out and actually talk to his citizens. Instead, he just uh, sends in the troops, not requested by the police, the local police, not requested by the RCMP, uh, simply as his own personal attack on the protests that he didn't agree with. Um, so I found that uh, pretty revealing that um, that that was uh, going on. Not surprised at all that it was the that the police uh, didn't have didn't request that. Not surprising uh, whatsoever. Yes, Rhonda Kane says like the narcissist that he is. And I shared that video a while ago with Jordan B. Peterson. And uh, yeah, that uh, that he, he's a liar. He's a narcissist, and, and not just not as like making fun of him for that name. Like actually, like diagnosably. A narcissist and uh, and Peterson has said that several times that these evidence of narcissistic personality disorder, um, that evidence that um, that he seems to only care about his own uh, self interest, his own furthering, and wanting people to like him. Um, yeah, lots of like, I appreciate you guys staying creative with um, the the wording and. Uh, so uh, Ashley says uh, he is a tyrannical dictator, one hundred percent, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's very clear to me that um, this uh, guy is, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's dangerous. Um, that he is only focused on himself, his own image, and uh, but I fear he could get more. Uh, this isn't going to be over for a bit because the more he gets back into a corner, you know, like a little uh, raccoon or you're back into a corner, it's going to start scratching. And, uh, but I think it's very clear that, um, he's on, he's at the end of his political career. Um, it's nowhere to go, but down here. Um, they, they actually, there was a great discussion when Jordan B. Peterson was talking to Pierre Polybert, they talked about, you know, there's this sort of assumption because of how CBC has just, uh, worshipped at the knees of Trudeau, that uh, that he's popular, and yet the numbers don't uh, substantiate that claim. That he's he's actually one of the least popular prime ministers. He he's one with one of the lowest uh, percentages of the popular vote that that any prime minister has got. I think it was thirty two percent or something like that. Um, that it was a very low percentage of the popular vote, and only because of an unholy matrimony with the NDP. Uh, is he able to hold on to the, the balance of power there? Uh, so not a very popular prime minister, even when he was first elected, and certainly not now. Um, and so it, very much on the last legs, his political career is over, and uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, but doesn't mean he's not going to make it difficult for people. Uh, I hope that members of parliament can stand up and expedite this process. Uh, I, again, encouraging people that... 
as protesters, the, the, like we're going to win this truth is on our side. Um, the law of Canada is on our side and, uh, this, this will come to an end. It's, it's going to take a while still. We're going to keep plugging away here, but I encourage you guys to hold the line, you know, stay peaceful, uh, keep standing against this because it's only a matter of time until this government falls. And I am very excited about a number of the candidates, like I said, that are running for leader of the opposition and um, then potential to remake the Conservative Party. Uh, you know, I also put out that pipe dream that someone called a, a unicorn tail or something that uh, and, and maybe maybe even we can get the PPC and the Conservatives back together. Who knows? Um, I would love to see Maxime have a voice there again in the in the government. And, uh, and maybe they can all work together. But I think there's exciting things. I know there's exciting things coming for conservatism in this country. Uh, we, we woke this country up. We woke the world up. Uh, true conservatives are rising up and new ones are being made all the time that uh, I meet so many people in this movement, some good friends of mine who weren't political at all or would have considered themselves uh, liberal. And, and through all of this and seeing the government overreach, their, their views have changed a lot. And, uh, you know, and now they're what someone would call far right, uh, which is simply just a, a moniker of the the left to to make us seem like baddies or something like that. I mean, by far right, you mean, yeah, I believe in smaller government, lower taxes, like, oh, you're far right. It's like, no, I, um, I'm just a conservative. And uh, um, in a lot of ways, like, when it comes to like more moral issues, I probably would be fall into like a category of uh, more like a, a classical liberal. Um, classical liberals used to be all about standing for freedom of speech. And it's actually interesting to see that shift where freedom of speech went from this, a very strong liberal principle, uh, classical liberal to, to now it's, you know, uh, conservatives having to fight for it. So it, it's been, there's been quite a, a shift there. And now it's the conservatives who are, are the liberals who are the ones who are doing censorship and, and control and, uh, and such. And anyway, it's been quite a flip-flop there. So more and more people uh, moving to the right and uh, a continued drift to the, the right there, which is very encouraging because we've been dragged to the left for ages. And uh, yeah, Brenda says we're, we're common sense, right? This, it, yeah, <laughs> things that were once simply just common sense uh, are, are now labeled as far right or something. And these are all just attacks used to, to repress um the, the the regular people, the working people, maintain control by by the elites, and uh, and that is changing. And um, like I said, I personally don't believe that. Um, uh, like some are accusing that Pierre is some some tool of the uh, elites. I, I don't see that in him, and um, he um, would be among my my top three choices. Like I, I mentioned there, and uh, I'm going to have to keep watching the campaign to make a decision on the ranking of the three but but those are the those are the three that I'll I'll be watching and I'm hopeful that any three of them will be able to dramatically reshape the conservative party for conservative values and I'm excited about that uh another one more article I wanted to point out here when I is uh, I mentioned Twitter there at one point you guys might be aware that um uh, Elon Musk put the purchase of Twitter on hold. I, I don't usually get into uh, American stuff there much at all, but obviously with, with Twitter, it has an impact on the world and the issue of free speech. Now, Twitter and Twitter comments and such have been used for years as fuels for 
um, like cancel culture. You know, oh, this thing went viral on Twitter. Everyone's mad. We need to cancel this TV show or cancel this comedian or, or whatever. And uh, what we're finding out now is that um, a, a potentially massive number of people on Twitter are actually just bots. And we always knew there were bots. Um, but so what happened was um, Elon Musk was looking to purchase Twitter. The whole world had a, not the whole world, the whole lefty world had a whole meltdown about this. And inside Twitter, it created like civil war because the thought of actually having to work for pay and uh, and and not just sit around and talk about making the world a better place and, and not actually working on their app, um, that uh, that scared them. And the thought of free speech terrified them. And actually, there's some leaked videos. I won't get into that, but you can watch those. There's some leaked videos where they interviewed um I guess some investigators went on on dates with um, some programmers from Twitter. So if you're a high-level pro- program from Twitter, you should maybe avoid going on uh, dates with people you don't know too well. Um, so there were some investigators went on dates with some Twitter employees, and there were some uh, yeah interesting things to be said about the company, how they all hate Elon and how they don't actually do much work there. The one guy said, yeah, I do like four hours a week um, bragging about that. And so anyway, this Elon is re-examining the price that he wants to pay for Twitter because he said basically the price he offered was based on how many followers he, how many subscribers he thought they had. And it looks like there might be a lot less than they're originally claiming. And so here's a story that's been going around uh, quite a bit that, uh, Audit finds that half of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake. Nearly half of President Joe Biden's 22.2 million followers are bogus, a new audit reveals. The audit, which was done by a social media giant by to the social media giant by software firm SparkToro, found that 49.3% of the president's followers are fake followers. SparkToro has defined fake followers as accounts that are unreachable and will not see the account's tweets, either because they're spam bots, propaganda, etc., or because they're no longer active on Twitter. Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who is attempting to buy Twitter, has concerned Express over the growing number of fake accounts and proposed a potential crackdown on the sham accounts. Musk said he believes that 20% of all Twitter accounts are fake and vowed not to go through with his $44 billion purchase as a social media giant until the issue is resolved. Uh, yesterday's Twitter CEO publicly refused to show proof of less than 5%. This deal cannot move forward until he does. So the uh, the Twitter CEO claimed that less than 5% of the accounts were fake. Uh, Elon thinks it's more upwards of 20. And then <laughs> there's this research company digging into it, and they found that uh, President Joe Biden, almost half of his followers are actually fake. And uh, And so they flex these numbers. They show, oh, look at all these likes and retweets I have. And uh, almost half of them are just robots, uh, computers, um, and not even real people. And what's scary about that is look at the past number of years and all these public policy decisions that were made because of what was supposedly popular, right? What was supposedly trending on Twitter. And who knows how many of those were lies, were fake, that, that there wasn't real human support for these things at all, that that maybe the world isn't so lefty as they like to think. You know, we were made to feel like, oh, you're just a minority. Um, you're you're way far right. No one thinks like that. Um, and then we're all afraid to to share these opinions because because oh, we're such a minority. And then it's like, and one of the proofs that they've used is 
look at look at Twitter. Look at look at how many people agree with this. Look at it. Like um, th- this is what people think. Well, maybe half of those people were were not even real to begin with, and and who knows how many if you know. And what we've seen as Canadians have actually started to speak up, actually start to uh, share our views, is that there's a lot more of us than anyone realized. There's there's millions of us that of just regular Canadians, uh, whether you're a little more socially liberal or socially conservative, like. But you value you value freedom. You value your freedom to speak. You value your freedom to go to the park. <laughs> you value your freedom to go to a restaurant without without uh, declaring your medical status. Um, we are like has often been said, you know, this silent majority. And uh, encourage keep having these conversations with your friends because they. Uh, are not alone in these frustrations with and and we don't need to sit back and just watch our country crumble before our eyes that doesn't need to to happen we we can and we are uh, standing up and and making changes we don't need to be silent about these issues um you know like, like I, I said the all this pressure that was used of, of what people really think based on you know a bunch of fake twitter bots um you know it, it's 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 repression it's they did these um these people this mindset they don't want you to have a voice they've been crushing that voice uh a handful of people who control you know big tech and and these such they um they push down uh these ideas and and then these lies they propagate right because a part of the reason big tech pushes down these ideas is because they don't think they're popular and it might lose them ad revenue but what we're seeing increasingly with something, say, like a Daily Wire, which is like blowing up in the U.S. And someone like um, Jordan B. Peterson, who is uh, hugely successful, is there is a massive market for this. There is people. People don't want the woke advertising. They don't uh, they don't want political <laughs> advertising at all. I'm going on a different tangent here now. But like when I watch a commercial for Smarties, I just want to like see, oh, cool, Smarties, like. I should get a pack of Smarties again sometime and maybe some people smiling and eating Smarties, but I don't need to get a political statement while I'm learning about my Smarties. And when, when I see a car commercial, I just want to hear what it costs and what the, what the fuel mileage is and how much horsepower it has. I, I don't need to learn about the newest trending political topic that's, that's going on. I just want to hear about the car. And when I watch hockey, I certainly just don't want, I want to watch hockey I definitely don't want to hear about what the new political agenda from anyone is. I just want to watch the world's best players play, in my opinion, the world's best sport. But don't get upset if you don't believe so. But um, I just want to watch people play a sport. I don't want to hear your opinions, be it conservative or liberal. And even that, they declared to be like a right-wing position. The fact that I just want to sit and watch a hockey game without political opinions at all um, that makes me right wing because it's like, oh, you don't care about the world. Like, what about this sob story that's being told at intermission? It's like, no, like there's a place for that. And like, cool, you can do that at the the next the next show that comes on. next. The news might be more appropriate place to do that. Uh, not at the hockey game. Anyway, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, we're just doing pet peeves with Dave now. We could make that a segment. Uh, but uh, yeah, where was I going uh, with that? Um, yeah, there's more of us out there than uh, you realize that. So continue to make your voices heard. Start those conversations in your workplace and, uh, you know, continue writing those letters, whatever that looks like. Um, 
on that note, I, I did want to just highlight, uh, I, I went, I got some mail again and a quick thank you to, uh, to those who, who gave, I got, um, uh, a copy of 1984 by George Orwell. Thank you so much. Um, I, I have actually never read this. I've read a bunch of segments and like referenced it and such, but never actually read the full thing myself. Um, so thank you for that. I will be sure to, to read that, uh, very appropriate to our times right now. So thank you for, for that. And I got, um, uh, this, this just anonymous card, um, that, that simply said, thanks for all you do. And, uh, great to see you work with Clyde. And it said, your mic support in the lighting uh, looks like a, a crucifix. So I, I guess she means uh, yeah, the, the lighting there. And then uh, I'm a big fan. And there's no name or anything, but thank you for that. And she sent some cash, and that's so kind. Uh, yeah, really <laughs> appreciate that. And uh, I, I thank you for sending the card. And then um, I got another lovely little card with a little bookmark. Um, which I think is really sweet. And it just on the bookmark, it says, I hope each day is better than ever. I hope your face hurts because your smile is so big. And uh, that's very kind. Um, little bookmark there and a card. And this this viewer who writes is um, uh, 70 years old, she says, and she sent me a really lovely card and just uh, that she can't get out to, to rallies because um, she, she's not able to drive. Um, but she, she really appreciates being able to keep up to date and follow. She says she started with, uh, me and Ron Clark now watches Cody Coons, Jeremy, uh, Jerome, Tyson, Clyde, Viva and more. And, uh, so she keeps up to dates and, and keeps her friends and family up to date too on, on things that are going on. What's really going on in this country because certain news agencies want to just lie to you and <laughs> push their agenda and uh, so it's great that we have so many and, you know, we all have our different styles and I'm making up my style as I go and we all kind of are. But uh, we're trying to get the truth out there, trying to tell you what's really going on uh, in this country. And I'm going to continue trying to, to do that as best I can. Um, tomorrow, I'm actually having on um, a guest of the what was their organization called? Um, it's a it's a student group that um, students against mandates. Um, yes, let me just find their their link here. Uh, so it's a group of uh, university students who've been uh, speaking out against uh, these mandates, you know, a number of them who weren't able to attend in-person classes. And uh, so they're actually, it's students underscore against underscore mandates um, on Instagram or, or SAM, students underscore against underscore mandates. And uh, I'm having one of their represents, representatives on tomorrow and uh, always enjoy hearing the student perspective, too, and, uh, and hearing what that group is up to um, to push back against the restrictions on, um, on students and what they have been doing during COVID. So um, and that will most likely be the, uh, the last guest for the week. And then Saturday, I'm headed to Toronto for the Worldwide Freedom Rally. And uh, so Saturday... Um, starting at noon. Um, yeah, we'll see this, the stream, maybe it'll be maybe by one, it, this March starts at two. So yeah, we'll see between one and two, uh, I'll start the stream and, uh, and we'll do the March and some speeches. And so, uh, I'll, I'll do a stream Saturday of what's happening in Toronto. So looking forward to, to that. And then, uh, 
I just confirmed um, uh, Tom Marazzo for next week. Uh, so haven't just nailed time, nailed down a time and day yet, but we're going to work that out. So um, really looking forward to talking to him. Another very um, recognized face in the movement. So Tom Marazzo will be joining us next week and uh, working on some more guests too. As always, I love it. You guys, if you have suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear from, hear their stories. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really open to uh, to talking to various uh, types of people and um, and hearing their uh, their stories as long as they're, um, uh, yeah, just gonna, you know, like we do in the chat, keeping it respectful, not personal attacks and, uh, engaging in ideas and all for that. So open to hearing many different types of people. Uh, so I've had some guests have been referred to me and, uh, always enjoy that. So feel free to refer guests, uh, uh to me. You can reach out on Facebook or Instagram messenger or by email and, um, or by, uh, snail mail to the post office box. The post office box is listed in the description of the YouTube video. And um, for those of you guys who, who watch regularly on Facebook, uh, thank you for, for that. I, I also great to, uh, to get on uh, YouTube uh, if you can. Um, but uh, if you want to focus on uh, watching YouTube, Facebook um, has been a little difficult with um, uh, a little bit of uh, some, some censorship stuff. And, uh, and uh, denying denying any monetization and such, so that's been an ongoing issue. Um, but uh, so if 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 you if you don't care which platform, it's always great if you can watch on YouTube uh, because um, they they've been much more good about. Uh, uh, and you know, knock on wood, they could cancel me tomorrow. Um, but um, yeah, YouTube helps uh, produce a enough revenue to, to keep the thing going. And it's certainly not about money for me, but it helps uh, keep me, keep me going here. So, um, and I appreciate if you like and subscribe and, uh, and continue to follow and, um, looking forward to James top at, uh, coming to Ottawa at the end of June, June 30th is his target date. Uh, I will be heading up for that and, uh, doing probably a lot more, uh, live streaming and less uh interviews for a bit there during the whole james top thing so looking forward to that but uh got a bit more time here yet before james arrives so we'll be doing some more of this style thing and uh continue to try to bring you news and interesting guests with that so uh interview mr freedom uh peter says i i did interview mr freedom but uh yeah we could have him on again if you haven't watched that interview mr freedom you can go back um yeah, depending on when you guys started watching, maybe there's a bunch that you missed, and so you could always good go back and hear. Uh, would love to get a USA convoy member on the show, says Christina. Uh, yeah, that actually, you know, I am in due time, Christina. If you could hunt around for that, I know you're in New York, so maybe we get another update from what's going on in in the U.S. Um, that would be interesting. Be happy for that. We'll probably have James Top on again before he gets to Ottawa, so I'll uh, I'll keep you guys posted on that. And, um, yeah, and, uh, try to get Scott big dice says, Dave, try and get a Scott river interview would be informational for your audience. Uh, I'm not familiar with, uh, Scott river, but I will, I'll give that a look and, uh, yeah. Well, Christina, if you're, you're so good at, at tracking this stuff, if you, if you make a list of 
people you see coming up in the chats and you can forward that to, to me and we can take a look. Um, yes, Melissa Bikers Church update says anonymous. Um, I've been in touch regularly with her and, uh, yeah, that would be great to have her on again. So, um, look forward to, to that. So yeah, we can potentially bring back some, some other people too, and, uh, get updates on what's going on. But, uh, that's all I have for you today. Uh, so again, we're going to have, uh, students against mandates on tomorrow. Uh, some young people who've been battling these mandates, uh, at their schools. And then, um, Saturday, I'll be streaming the March for or the Worldwide Rally for Freedom in uh, Toronto at Queens Park, twelve noon. If you can, um, if you can be there uh, in person. If you can't be there, we'll be going live at uh, between one and two o'clock uh, before the march gets started. So, but if you can be there in person, great to have you. Twelve o'clock noon, north side of Queens Park, and then uh, you can also check out WorldwideDemonstration.com. And there are events happening in other cities and other countries around the world. Um, but uh, the Toronto one is the one I'll be going to. And uh, yeah, appreciated, uh, appreciate the moderators there as always. And uh, thank you to everyone who, who watches live or recorded later. Um, thank you for the ongoing support. And uh, I, really, I really appreciate these, uh, these in-person cards. Thank you to those who, who send in mail. Uh, it's very, very sweet and very kind. And you guys are, are wonderful and very encouraging and, um, and your comments and support, um, make me smile and, and keep me going. So thank you so much guys. And, um, uh, always open to feedback and criticism. Uh, I saw, I'm going to, I'll read through that chat there. I saw there was lots of, um, um, disagreement and such from the chat there, uh, today, uh, about my guest and always, always happy to engage uh, in that, and I'll, I'll read over uh, that. But um, I'm open to. Uh, want, I want people to to be able to share uh, their stories and uh, and have a voice, and even um, even when we don't always uh, agree. So, uh, and that's what uh, that's what we're all about. And I will continue to keep you updated on uh, Pat King and what's going on there. Um, and yeah, just horrific that he's still in jail. And uh, Darth Trader says, yeah, you're going to want to do that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. So um, by all means, you could, uh, you could reach out via email too if there was uh, something you were really concerned about. I'm happy to hear about that. Um, okay. So I will, uh, I'll leave it at that, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we will see you uh, tomorrow. Have a great evening.